Welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Good morning, family. Welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's Sunday morning gathering. Um, I'm honored to be here, excited to be here, and excited to um, be able to talk on this Sunday. I'm really, uh, it's going to be a little more solemn this Sunday. week has been um, very, very interesting, to say the least. For most of us, I've gotten so many texts, so many um, DMs, and uh, emails, if you will, um, of some, some type of basic communication in light of um, Aubrey Aberry's uh, murder and lost a dear friend this week. So I just found that out. Um, lost a dear, 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 dear friend this week um, through a tragic death. And um, so a lot of swirling realities are helping me to not only feel the mortality of humanity, the brokenness of humanity, um, but wanting Jesus to return, um, wanting Jesus to fix it. If there was ever a week where my soul mantra's hashtag was Jesus fix it, um, it would be this week. And so today, um, I'm going to be less preachy and, um, you know, and yeah, we'll, we'll get in the word and we'll, we'll talk. But I, I just wanted to give us an opportunity as a church and as a community, and for those who are visiting us online, we want to welcome you as well, welcome you to our online stream. We are thankful that you are here with us and that you chose our stream as a mechanism to be spiritual food for you and enjoyment and worship uh, to lift your heart up in the name of the living God. Well, um, I was going to continue in our series, but our series that we were in Undefeated is a series away from a series, you know, uh, uh, what we were talking about, uh, order in the church. And so I'm going to get away from the series, away from the series to get into um, really a, just a one offer. And I, I just pulled on our resources as it pertains to our understanding of biblical justice, our understanding of um, what it means to live out the nutrition of the gospel, but yet to be able to grieve well and to be able to have reflection and a lost art in the body is theological reflection. I'll talk about that a little bit. And talking to our kids, just, you know, just, just a lot to kind of work through and think through today. So if you have your Bibles in front of you, turn to Matthew 23, 23. Matthew 23 23, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, you pay a tenth of mint, dill, and cumin, and yet you have neglected the more important or weightier matters of the law, justice mercy, and faithfulness. Justice, mercy, 
and faithfulness. These things should have been done without neglecting the others. Blind guides. You strain out a gnat, but gulp down the camel. Um, today, I don't have a title. I'll just call it maybe justice. I don't have a title today. Let's pray. Father, we are in desperate need of you this week. This one hit different this week. Um, this one hit different. So, Lord, strengthen me through the message. Strengthen your people and help us to lament um, through, with having gospel hope. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Um, I'll be real organic today, so I just want to let y'all know that. Um, in Africa, in um, the Zulu tongue, it's actually the Nguni Bantu tongue, there is a concept that the Nguni Bantu called, and others in the in Mother Africa have coined Mbutu. Uh, Mbutu. Mbutu is a term that is really not directly translatable because it embodies more than just a Webster's dictionary definition or a lexical definition. Um, the definition of Mbutu is is a is a is an idea is a it's a science definition as much as it's a culturally artistic definition um one would describe it as fundamentally meaning humanity means humanity um but the concept also is not just it's it's the the, the interesting part about the term is it's not an individualistic term Mbutu is a term about community. Um, Phrase-wise, it means I am because we are. Or the disposition of having a, a, a humanity towards others, a showing and affirming another's humanity, uh, being self through others. And, and, and so it's, it's really a term that talks about our unified connection with one another as a human family. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are a part of the eternal family. Um, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2 that the, those who know Jesus Christ, they are a holy race, a holy nation. So really on earth, there are only two races. Two races um, is really redeemed race, an unredeemed race, or believing race, non-believing race. And that reality should frame how our biblical theology enforces and informs our understanding of what it means, family of God, to be human and be Christian. To be Christian is to be an upgraded form of humanity that demands that we view life differently and with enough light and spunk that it is attractional to the person who's not a believer to be able to see uh, the light of Christ in us through the way we maximize biblical Christianity through our humanity. 
and as I look at our world today, I don't know if people view Christians as the best humans. I don't know that. I don't know if they view us as exemplary humans. Um, if there was a meme that would be a reflection of what most people view Christians as, and we can get mad at it if we want, but what we have in front of the faces of non-believers is what our lives have branded. Our lives have branded hypocrisy. Um, our lives have branded say one thing, do another. Our lives have branded shout on Sunday and act a fool Monday through Saturday. Uh, our lives have branded so many different things, but what's interesting is out of all the uh, spiritual walks or re religiosities on the, on the planet, um, no one requires a level of moral purity and commitment of any other faith group except for Christians. People never say, and this is not a, this is not a knock on anybody that's of another faith. No one ever says, uh, 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 you, you, you're supposed to be a Buddhist. Act better. You're supposed to be a Hindi or a Hindu. You're supposed to be a Yoruba priestess. You're supposed to be a Muslim, right? When it comes to us, man, they're holding us to a standard. Why? Because something in them, based on Ecclesiastes, the Bible says God has placed eternity in our hearts. So there's this disposition that, yeah, God has placed a knowledge of himself within people. And Paul says, but you gotta, but he said his desire is that we would feel our way towards him. What does that have to do with what I'm talking about today? Everything. It has everything to do with what we're talking about today. Because the body of Christ um, has been divided about race. And it has been one of the biggest hypocritical hiccups that has plastered and has broken our ability to be able to be the light that God has called us to. Like I've said before, I believe that one of the major issues of our day is that needs to be missiologically engaged is the issue of racial injustice. So today, um, as we look at Jesus, where he talks about it, Jesus talks about it. Jesus, in the way he's talking, makes it a big deal. He's, he, 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 he talks about it in this passage where um, he's on his way out and he's about to give some of his last teaching um, to his disciples before his arrest. And he's publicly communicating not only to his disciples, but to those nearby. And as he's talking, he begins putting on blast all of those who claim to follow God but don't have the moral fabric that reflects the fact that they walk with God. Um, and he begins doing what the prophets of old would do. They would put out woe statements. Woe statements. Whenever you saw woe in the Bible, it was a judgment. It was the introduction of a judgment oracle. And that, and the introduction of that judgment oracle was, was a pronouncement of judgment with the opportunity to repent of what you're doing, but letting you know that you are at the cusp of that judgment falling on you. Whoa, whoa. And so Jesus says multiple woes, but one of his woes here, he says, woe to you, 
scribes and Pharisees. Wow. Scribes and Pharisees were those who should have known and should have understood what the law is. The Pharisees are the teachers of the law and the ones who sit in what's called the seat of Moses. The scribes are those who uh, transcribe the law and interpret the law and communicate the law like Ezra was, right? And so in light of that, they were supposed to be those who were supposed to have a level of acumen that wasn't just uh, a rope, but an acumen that had a heart disposition to it as well. And one of the things in our society and in our culture is when it pertains to this issue is we need to be experts on what God's heart is. Jesus Christ was telling them you should be experts on what God wants. We as believers should be experts on what God wants and we should be promoting what God wants in this world. And as we look at this text and we begin to lay out and see the flavor of what Jesus is laying out to the Pharisees, his expectations were very disturbed because he wanted more from them than they wanted from themselves. And what was interesting is they were wrapped up in thinking that they knew that they were communicating the right thing was creating the wrong thing. Uh, one, one of the things that was some, someone said about this week with everything happen, happening with Aubrey is, and, and I, I, it just blew me when I heard it. Someone said about uh, the McMichael brothers, they said, I wonder what church they went to. Now, that may not seem much to you, but for me, they online and people online assumed that the McMichael brothers who lynched Aubrey knew Jesus Christ in the sense of, at least in the sense of culturally were connected with Christianity in some way. And that haunted me because I was like, I can't believe that Christianity is branded that most people who are caught up in racism and lynching black people uh, in this country historically have been diametrically connected um, to, uh, uh, um, 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 to Christianity. And, 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 and Frederick Douglass said it amazingly. Frederick Douglass said, he said it amazingly. He said, man, I find no greater gap than that between the Christianity of the West and the Christianity of the Bible. In other words, what we call Christianity biblically isn't biblical Christianity. And it's funny, I was talking about this the other day, it's funny that we'll check people's Trinitarianism, but we won't check their racism. Uh, It's interesting that you can be a racist and be viewed as an orthodox Christian. As an Orthodox Christian, but when it comes to Trinitarianism, we're jumping all over people or, or some other Bible doctrine. But how in the world isn't understanding this principle of the law that Jesus is about to lay out in justice that he begins to lay out as not a fundamental part of the Christian faith? It is fundamental to the faith that we understand this and Grieve for the right reasons. We, sh- we should grieve because a black man was murdered. But we should grieve for the higher principle of what Jesus is talking about right here. There's a higher principle that's involved here. And this higher principle is where the greatest grief should be found in our culture and in our churches where grief should abound. And this grief should abound because of the impact that it's having on our world and our culture and on 
the one who one day is going to come and bring judgment fully through wrecking shop. So when you look at <laughs> scribes and Pharisees, there, there's an expectation, and I'll be doggone family of God, there should be an expectation out of Christians in relation to this. And he says, you're meticulous about certain things. Look what he says. He says, you're meticulous about certain things. Look what he says in the text. He says, he says hypocrites. Now, hypocrites, that word is the word will be, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, um, where... You know, the whole idea of, of, of pantomiming comes from it. Pantomimes are, are um, you know, I don't, y'all may not have them today, and I know we're, we're, we're in this crisis right now, you know, but, but um, 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 pantomimes back then were, it wasn't the, like the guys in the church where they put the song on and they paint their face and they go around and they kind of like pantomimes, right? I know some of y'all don't even remember that. Y'all ain't had no church experience like that. Um, where, where, you know, people could cause you to shout without saying a word, you know, through them doing, you know, different things, right? But pantomimes on the street used to be actors, and they used to, they used to do like this and, you know, like act like something's there and nothing's there. It's kind of like what we used to do. We used to do pop locking, but it was a little different than pantomiming. In other words, pantomimes or these hypocrites would act like something was there that wasn't there. In other words, they would fool you even when they're doing this. They were doing this so well that they can make you think, that they can make you think that there's a wall in front of them or they're holding something in their hand because they were very, very skilled at giving you the sense that something was there even though you couldn't see it. (laughs) What is Jesus talking about hypocrites? He says, look, hypocrites give people the sense that they believe in justice, but no justice is there. People, they give you the sense that there's holiness, but there's no holiness there. They try to give you a sense that there's righteousness there, but there's no righteousness there. They try to give you a sense that care is there, but no care is there. In other words, a hypocrite is a person that does their work at photoshopping their spiritual life to make you think that it has attributes that it absolutely doesn't have. And so look at what the text says. It says, he says, yeah, you pay a tenth of mint, dill, and cumin. Jesus is being funny here. The way Jesus is being funny here is Jesus is basically saying, he says, you know, you tithe the most minuscule spices and herbs to show how committed you are to the law. In other words, you're trying to show how committed you are by you going the extra mile to let people know how serious you are, they, they actually weighed out their, their, their mint to make sure it was a tenth of mint. Can you imagine weighing leaves? <laughs> Can you imagine weighing spices and like dill and cumin, if, if you know what that is, if you ever cooked with it? Um, that, Jesus is saying, you present yourself as a person that's meticulous about righteousness. But he says, right after that, he says, yet you have neglected the more important, I like the translation, it says weightier matters of the law or Torah. This is a play on words here in the text, family, <laughs> because as light and as, uh, you know, as, as cumin dill and, 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 and was in the, in the realm of spice, 
there's still material things that you can see that actually, if you put enough on, has weight. But Jesus says, but you've, uh, you've neglected the weightier matters of the law. Now, love here, when he talks about uh, justice, mercy, and faithfulness are immaterial things that you can't put on a physical scale. I want you to feel what he's saying, exegetically. He's saying even though these are immaterial and they don't have the material, they're heavier than your lighter spices that you try to make a weight out of by making people view you in a particular way. Y'all got to get this, play on words. It's bars if you understand what's going on. And he's basically saying, but you've neglected the weightier matters of the law. You've neglected justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Um, when you talk about justice, mercy, and faithfulness, um, it, it's interesting how we understand justice. Because when you understand justice from a biblical perspective, it's a, it's a huge term, but the way he's using it here, it means using God's standards to make right judgments. That's what justice means here. Using God's standards to make right judgments and execute them. See, justice is love and action. Justice is love and action. When you look at this week, I, I do feel like um, this week hit different. And the reason why it hit different is because... Um, I don't know. I guess, you know, with Aubrey, you know, this week family, it's like when you look at, you know, Mike Brown, uh, you look at, you know, Sandra Bland, you look at uh, uh, Trayvon Martin, you look at uh, 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 all of the different people, black people, human beings that were unjustly killed, murdered. Aubrey's different because it wasn't done in the act of official law enforcement. <laughs> it was done by, a private, by private citizens, even though uh, uh, Gregory McMichael was, or George McMichael, whatever his name is, um, even though he was in law enforcement for 37 years for the district attorney's office down there, he wasn't active duty. So what blows my mind is the fact that this happened with a kid that was jogging in an area where a friend of mine ended up telling me that our federal agents, let, let me read this. He, he, this is what he sent to me, and it was very, very interesting. In that area is where a lot of uh, agents are trained. Now, if you understand that that, reality, um, so many of our different groups were trained down there. I mean, when you look at it, ISIS trained down there. Our marshals, our marshals are trained. Our marshals are trained down there. Uh, our, our FBI agents are trained down there. All of our different groups are trained down there where Aubrey was murdered. So it was normal for some of our, the, the groups to go, the Border Patrol, everybody's trained down there in that part of Georgia. And what's interesting is that it would have been normal for someone to be jogging down there. Would have been very, very normal. Would have been very, very normal for them to jog down there and they're off base. But they said he fit the description as if it's their role to go execute it. They should have been committed to calling 
the actual police if they thought he had an issue, but he didn't do anything but be black in the wrong neighborhood. That's what he did. And what's crazy is that the guy that took the video, it's funny how the Lord will turn the enemies own tools of destruction back on their own heads. <laughs> because because the, the, the guy that was videoing, first everybody's like, who, who sat there in video and watched this happen, right? But as you look at, if you look at the video and you watch the video, you'll see that the guy was actually cocking his pistol with the other two that had a 357 and a long gun. Now, for one black man with no weapon running through a neighborhood, you need three assailants. We ain't even talking about concealed carry weapons, you know, like a Mac, you know, like like a like a little like a little nine millimeter or even a 44 Magnum. We talking about a 357 and a long gun and then another pistol, and they're coming out. And what he was doing with the camera was uh, 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 Aubrey was going to run that way, but he cut him off so he wouldn't run that way. And he was getting out the car because Aubrey was going to come that way. And then he tried to go around the other side of the car. And when he went around the other side of the car, Ahmad Aubrey went around the other side of the car, and that's when the son got out and took it upon himself to shoot him in the belly at close range with a long gun. Grief. We should lament that. We should lament it. We should weep with those who weep. Why? Because for black people in this country, for black people in this country, (laughs) that incident is all the incidents. Please hear me. When, 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 whenever something like that happens, that one incident is ground zero again for everything that's ever happened to us in this country. And what happens is, is when you have people in office who call themselves Christians who get prayer and you get all of these leaders, these quote-unquote Christian leaders to come around them and pray we're saying we live in a Christian country, and which is not. It's a deist country, but that's a whole nother story. Um, but when you can have two white men kill a black man and go home for two months, for two months with no investigation, until the video surfaces. And so they've been sitting, chilling in quarantine. As a matter of fact, the son was arrested while playing with his two-year-old son in the backyard. My heart goes out, and our heart goes out to Aubrey's mom, uh, 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 Aubrey's mom, uh, Brother Ahmad, Aubrey's mom. It it goes out to the family. But what what is, is, so with all of this that we're talking about, what is the role of Christians with all of this? What, what should we be doing if Jesus says justice is a weighty matter? What is our task as Christians? Well, Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of wickedness in the heavenly places. We have to understand that it's not just about a white person and black person building a relationship and singing kumbaya. 
It's not about having a multi-ethnic church where we all sit in the pews and say, isn't it great that we're sitting together and we are together in quote-unquote community with, and, 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 and nothing's changing? I mean, I'm not against multi-ethnic churches. I'm not against personal relationships. But multi-ethnic churches being multi-ethnic doesn't change the justice situation of black people. It doesn't change anything. It just changed you to be able to say, oh, isn't it looking like heaven in here? But, but that's in here. What about out there? Because in many situations, and particularly in the body of Christ, people are very, very offended over any type of special focus on the need of dealing with the systemic historical justice issues that have impacted African-Americans in this country. So that is why we, as Epiphany Fellowship, fight like we do. We fight like we do in a community where there is no voice for the voiceless. That's why we do that. That's why we're here in this community to begin to, we, we want to lament and empathize and connect with our people, Mbutu. I in you and you in me. If it's happening to you, it's happening to me. Jesus says, if you do these things for the least of my brethren, you've done it also for me. Somebody said, well, you preaching a social gospel. No, family of God. I'm preaching a gospel that I believe in that it re uh, regenerates the soul by faith in Christ alone. And it also inaugurates a kingdom that brings commercials that Jesus Christ is coming back. So that means that now that Jesus Christ has changed me as a reflection of Christ's transformation of me, I, I, I have to figure out how to make life better for somebody else. All of life, the gospel makes whole people because it comes to change the whole person. The, the gospel isn't just for your soul. It's about dealing with the injustice that African-American men and women deal with in communities every day. It includes the economic disparities. It includes the educational disparities. It, 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 it includes the housing disparities. It, in, it includes the entrepreneurial uh, disparities. And guess what the greatest disparity is? The hope disparity. Because the hope quotient isn't big and we want to introduce people to a big God that opens up their imagination. How do I know? Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you ask or think. In other words, the gospel drives you to dream and God in him driving you to dream big for things to change upgrades which you can come up with in your own mind to show you that even though you thought that God says, I'm always thinking bigger about it than you. And so for me, family, I want us this week, I, I want us to, I know we're in quarantine. I, I, I want us to really, really spend our time getting things in order in our life to not just have personal responsibility, but systemic responsibility. That's what the church is for. The church is for dealing with large issues in culture. That's why the Bible says the sons of Issachar knew the times and knew what Israel ought to do. I mean, if you look at the book of Acts, the preaching and practice of the gospel disrupts city systems. When Paul casted out the demon out of the young girl, it changed the economic framework of the entire community. Why? Because all of the businesses were depending on her false prophecies through this demon. And because of that, the gospel impacted that system 
excavated the spirit behind the cultural things that were going on and were then able to make inroads, even though they got persecuted and they dealt with some difficult things. One of the things that the church has to be, we have to be on the front lines of getting stuff done. I'm cool with having symposiums for discussion. That's fine. But we're now, we've had all of our racial reconciliation conferences and symposium conferences to understand one another and have dialogue and talk about justice. But, but, but there are people out here that are dealing with very, very difficult issues where they can't wait for us to do a justice apologetic for race in our country. People are in desperate need for the church to apply the law of God. How do we apply the law of God? Because Jesus fulfilled the law on our behalf by loving God and loving us perfectly. And so in walking and being like Christ, we're supposed to listen. We're supposed to reflect, family of God, Christ's love in the way we love other people. So I've dedicated my life to this. I'm here. Lord say the same. My family's here. And we're dedicating our life to this. I'm going to keep casting a vision. I'm going to keep saying the same thing. No, why do, they said, why do you, Pastor, why do you keep saying the same thing? Because before we started church, and one of the things they teach you in leadership development is that most leaders think about vision all the time. Most people only think about it when you mention it to them, maybe. So I got to keep telling us, we're trying to buy a school. We're, we're working on some, some breakthroughs right now. We're trying to start a school to impact that systemically and that to be a beacon to start other schools and to, to also influence governments through how the church can be a beautiful entity that can create an educational curriculum and environment that is, not, that, 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 that is not limiting the capabilities of people because of what side of the railroad track they're on. We want to create entrepreneurial adventures and understandings for people so that they can have entrepreneurial development so that they can dream. They can't just talk about, I want to be a business owner. They can know what the legwork is that goes into being a business owner. We want to do a, 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 a media center where kids and arts can be creative. I'm going to keep saying this to you. And all the while, grocery store, everything, we want to do all of this stuff. Why? Because the gospel calls us to meet pressing needs in order that we may not be found unfruitful. And in doing that, guess what? Over and over and over again, family of God, I want us to be such a beacon and such an example and such a powerhouse for the gospel. That's my dream for us. My dream for us is that people will be like so attracted to the kingdom of God's work and saying, this is finally what we've been wanting, some things we were wanting to see the church do that we knew the church had the capacity and capability to do, but us actually doing it us doing it and us creating common ground for the gospel and then replicating it across the country in inner cities where people don't run from inner cities or merely see them as really places that you either dump in or you buy property in and wait on things to change so that you can cash out. That, that's, that's not what, why we're here. We're here to help the people that are actually in the community to cash out in their own community. But not only that, for them to see that Jesus is the reason for it. And I don't want to act like doing a school and economic development, all this stuff brings these dead black bodies back to life. They don't. Only Christ can raise a life again. But I got to make sense of it somehow, family. We got to make sense out of it. 
we got to grieve. We do have to have conversations at times. Um, I just pray that we don't give up on doing the right thing. I have absolutely no faith in any human being to get anything done except for God giving us the grace to fight for it to get done. If we don't fight for it to get done and we don't look to change these systems and bring transformation, life will remain the same and the same things will happen. But for me, know what I'm most excited about that gives me hope, even though I don't feel like standing here and even talking about it. But what gives me hope and what gives me clarity is the righteous judge one day is going to come back. <laughs> and he's going to show you you're not crazy. He's going to show us truth and justice at its best. He's going to show us mercy. He's going to show us justice. He's going to show us what true faithfulness is about. I love the way the Bible says it. He who is faithful and true is who they call Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, he came to not just save souls. I want you to hear me. When he died on the cross, he came to reverse the polarity of the universe. <laughs> Y'all don't understand what I'm saying, do you? When Adam died, when Adam died, creation fell. Jesus being the new Adam inaugurates a chain reaction that starts with the same thing first that died. What died was man's connection to God. What Jesus Christ restarts is man's connection to God. And from there, all creation is now groaning for the new heavens and the new earth and us to be revealed in our new bodies in order that the way that God wanted things would be set up back in order and would be brand spanking new and there will be no more crying, there will be no more lynching, there will be no more, listen, and guess what, in eternity, I'll be black, I won't turn into some white angel. You'll be white if you're white, you'll be Asian if you're Asian, you'll be, I'll have my same dialect and accent because the Bible says it, but guess what, there'll be many mansions there, right? <laughs> but nobody will be standing in the street because of my skin color judging me because Jesus Christ will shine bright as the sun and he will show us that the greatest light in us isn't our skin complexion but Jesus Christ will show that he's the light that lights up the universe and the train of his robe will fill the temple of the universe and guess what my skin color will be shown because he will keep my skin color in my new body, the same skin color and my vernacular and tongue and yours as well. And his light will light up the image of God in every created being who's redeemed to show what all ethnicities look like unified under the light of Christ, showing the mosaic and the beautiful kaleidoscope of God's creation. And no one will be seen as better because our value will be equated based on the light of Christ and the death of Christ, the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony. I'm done. And so this week, this week, not just this week, until he comes back. Beg him to come back. But also, let's band together continuously 
so that we can fight injustice where injustice is, particularly racial injustice. We have a long way to go. I love you. That's all I got for y'all today. God bless you. And if the Lord said the same, see you soon. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder and pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you. We love you. We love you.